0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk announces another price increase for the full self-driving capability package, and I've got a theory about it. Plus, Giga Texas achieves a production milestone, Giga Berlin is almost ready to rock around the clock, the Tesla Semi has emerged from the shadows, and more. What's happening friends? Welcome to episode 369 of Ride the Lightning the Tesla unofficial podcast for August 28th, 2022. I'm Ryan McCaffrey to my left looking longingly out the window Daisy the Boxer and boy, it has been a hectic week. You ever have one of those weeks where you're just you're awake early, you got to get up early every morning and it just feels like you never quite get anything done and then you got to repeat that all week long. I'm not complaining. It was just just a hectic week. I am happy to be with you now on Ride the Lightning, because it means that it's the end of my week. This is always the last big project of my week each week, so I am happy to be talking about all things Tesla with you now. Uh, Before I get started, I hope all of you ludicrous tier backers and higher on my Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round episode, which is the weekly bonus mini episode that I do on my Patreon about EV-adjacent, Tesla-adjacent things. In fact, this week, it was about Tesla specifically. It was why I think Tesla needs to commit to, to open, and to curate a history of the electric vehicle museum. It's about a 20-minute mini-podcast on that. Check it out at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. All right, let's get started with a very busy week of Tesla news. First up, I hate to start with bad news, but this is the big story of the week. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The price of the full self-driving capability software package is going up again. Here is Elon Musk tweeting the announcement saying, quote, After the wide release of FSD beta 10.69.2, the price of FSD will rise to $15,000 in North America, on September 5th. Current price will be honored for orders made before September 5th but delivered later. And then he added in a follow up tweet Note, you can upgrade your existing car to FSD in two minutes via the Tesla app. And so the price rises again, not going up by $2,000 this time, but instead by $3,000. And I'll be honest with you, my friends, I'm a Tesla fanboy, self-admitted. I love this company. I love the cars. I love the mission. But I've got zero defense for this price increase. Now, I know that Elon, in his core, in his bones optimism that I've talked about, that I believe that is a, a core character trait of his, is that optimism. I know that he believes the software is worth it and or is going to be worth it. But I feel like a little bit of a broken record because just as I said last time when it went from $10,000 to $12,000, I can simply no longer recommend anyone purchase this. And by the way, of note, it's increasing on a beta that not everyone can even get yet, even if they want it and have paid for FSD. That's sort of the extra layer to this. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't buy this or that you won't enjoy it if you do. I'm not making a a judgment on your purchasing decision. I, I am simply saying I don't think it is worth the price it is being listed for now. And I just don't feel that it, it offers fair value. I mean, it's really, it's that simple. And I put this, uh, this was the easy question to go with on this week's Patreon poll, which again, you don't need to be a Patreon backer to vote on. Every week I put up a question for the Ride the Lightning audience on patreon.com slash podcast and tally the votes as I talk about it on that weekend show. And this week, the question was simple. Would you pay $15,000 U.S. for the full self-driving capability software package? And I said, regardless of your reason, either way, you no, know, just basically no matter how you slice it, bottom line, would you pay 15 grand for this? And more votes uh, than usual. The last few weeks have been about 150 votes. We got a, almost 200, 195 votes on this. 82% of you said, no, you would not pay $15,000 for this. A quick sampling of the comments. Howard Saltzman, it wouldn't be worth 15K to me until level four autonomy is achieved. Uh, Steve, Steve Kopic, we purchased FSD in 2020 for $8,000. Glad we bought it then. Corey Notrica, EAP, Enhanced Autopilot is the better value. I use that functionality regularly. I can't justify an additional 6,000 right now. A number of people talking about the desire to have it be transferable, and that is a, a refrain we hear time and again from the community that Elon has shot down in the past, uh, the recent past, when it's been put to his, put you know, the question has been put to him about this. So I'm going to go a step further because the only way that I personally, as a Tesla podcaster, as somebody who studies this company religiously, week in and week out, for year after year after year. The only way I can make sense of this is to suggest the following. I don't think Elon and Tesla even want anyone to purchase the whole kit and caboodle anymore. I think Elon and Tesla want to push everybody to the subscription model. Because after all, other businesses that once offered lifetime subscriptions on their products, which effectively is what buying FSD is, minus the part where if your car gets totaled in a way that's totally not your fault, if somebody just hits you and totals your car, you are completely out of luck and you cannot transfer that full self-driving software package to a new car. So I think they're pushing everybody to the subscription option. And, and again, the transferability thing, transferring the license, that is another matter entirely that has come up every single time there has been a price increase. And for good reason, by the way, there, there is such, there is just such a reasonable argument to be made that offering the ability to transfer your full self-driving package to another car, even for a modest fee, I don't think anyone in the community is really asking for a free transfer but that a transfer would just encourage more customer loyalty and it would create more repeat customers, which I guess is two ways of saying the same thing. But anyway, circling back to my uh, point from a moment ago about businesses that have done this before, businesses like TiVo and SiriusXM once offered lifetime subscriptions and both companies got out of that business. I personally had a lifetime subscription on the Sirius radio that I got uh, pre-installed just as a factory option with my last car, my Infiniti G35. When that, I had that car for 12 plus years, and I did the math at one point, and that lifetime subscription paid for itself roughly three times over. So you can see why the Siriuses and the TiVos of the world got out of the lifetime subscription business. Recurring revenue, that is the new hotness. And that is what I think Tesla is doing here. Now, I know that Elon sees the cars as appreciating assets and maybe one day that will be true. And yes, I know we're in this used car bubble of sorts. where used car, but you, you could almost make that argument in this specific moment in time uh, without factoring in FSD at all, that they're appreciating assets. But I think any reasonable Tesla fan, Tesla owner who lives with the car and with the FSD software can see that while yes, the autonomous capability is progressing, we're still a long way from the cars being able to autonomously drive you where you want to go, allowing you to completely not pay attention to work, to watch a TV show, to play a video game, or to sleep while the car does the driving. Now hardware four is due soon. I've talked about this on recent episodes. Maybe it's coming this fall to the fleet. Maybe it's gonna debut with the Cybertruck in the middle of next year, but it is coming. And when it does, it will take time for the autopilot team to fully tap into that hardware's potential. And so that kind of leads me to a good question, which I think unfortunately I already know the answer to, For $15,000 for full self-driving capability software package, am I guaranteed an upgrade to Hardware 4, a.k.a. FSD Computer 2? Now, I expect the answer is no, since, as I've said before, I just don't expect there to physically be an upgrade path for a car that's built today. But I would be thrilled to be wrong about that, number one, because I'd like to upgrade my own Model 3. I would be. I would love to upgrade to Hardware Four because I do plan to keep this car for a while, and I have paid for FSD. But I'm not expecting Tesla to provide me with FSD uh, computer number two, aka Hardware Four, at at zero cost uh, of an upgrade because they already did that from the first computer from uh, Hardware Two, Hardware 2.5, I should say, to Hardware Three. But for that much money, for $15,000 you should get a computer upgrade if and when one becomes available uh this to to put this another way not that not that you need the extra context but this is a 25% price increase on fsd and i'll add too as i've as i've done this little thought exercise with every one of these price increases $15,000 is just about just a just a couple of points shy of 33% of the cost of a Model 3. That is a lot. That, is, that again, that is all the more reason why I think that Elon and Tesla just don't even want, they're like daring anyone to pay this. They want the monthly subscription revenue that they can hook you into and keep you on. Now, granted, you're not signing a contract. You're not committing. You can cancel that anytime. You can have it for a month. You're going on a summer road trip and then deactivate it if you want. But a 25% price increase is a bitter pill to swallow. And thus, the take rate on the full rate, the full freight FSD software package is bound to go down. It's certainly not going to go up, which again is why I think this has to be a push towards subscription. Uh, By the way, uh, on the subscription front, If that price doesn't change, if it stays at $200 a month, which is where it is now, it's actually a better deal uh, in most cases because the math works out to 75 months or six and a quarter years in order for buying it outright at $15,000 to become a better deal than simply paying the $200 a month. Now, if, as I do expect, if the price of the monthly subscription goes up, presumably to $250, it pushes the break-even point back to where it's been, which is five years, 60 months. I've been recommending Enhanced Autopilot to anybody that asks me. You've heard me say this before. Now, you may disagree, and I wouldn't argue with you, but for me, Enhanced Autopilot, I would, that I would still pay $6,000 for but I would certainly, I wouldn't even consider the 15 grand for full self-driving. The uh, basic autopilot is quite honestly, probably gonna work fine for most people, but the uh, EAP functionality, the enhanced autopilot functionality is all there today. You know, you're not paying for future promise, for future potential, and in my personal experience over the last four years, that enhanced autopilot functionality works very, very well. Now it is possible, it's extraordinarily possible, maybe 50-50 at at, uh, maybe more that enhanced autopilot's price is gonna go up past $6,000. But I, I do think there's a reasonable chance that it doesn't and I hope it doesn't because there's no new functionality being added there. Unlike FSD, that's the product that's evolving that's growing, that's gaining new features and functionality, EAP is pretty locked in, and so I hope that the price of enhanced autopilot likewise stays locked in at $6,000. All right, in happier news this week, Giga Texas has now reached a production run rate of 1,000 cars per week, as it continues the estimated year-long ramp towards volume production. I saw this via the whole Mars catalog on Twitter, who posted a picture of a 1000 cars per week banner that was being signed by all of the Giga Texas employees, which is always, I love that Tesla does that. I know they're not the only company that does things like this, but I really, I think it's pretty cool. And it's gotta be pretty cool for the people that work there. Everybody signs it, everybody's contributed in their way to reaching a big milestone, and I think it's cool that that Tesla marks those occasions. So I wanna say congratulations to everybody on the Giga Texas team. I mean, Texas has only been open for what, four months and change by now? A year ago, the site was basically a patch of dirt. And, And to give them some extra additional credit, They're also, in achieving that 1,000 cars per week, they're doing it by building two different versions of the Model Y. They're building the Model Y 1.0, the 2170 battery cell-based long-range cars, and they're also building Model Y 2.0s, the 4680 structural battery pack standard range all-wheel versions. So I think that ups the degree of difficulty in this achievement a good bit, and thus, bravo, to everybody at Giga Texas who might be listening to this. And really, everybody should be rooting for Giga Texas to get ramped up as quickly as possible. For whether you're waiting for a Cybertruck, because remember the Cybertrucks not getting started until they hit volume production. Maybe uh, you want your Model Y quicker. So the more <laughs> the quicker that Giga Texas gets up to speed, the sooner that you might, you know, the, the wait times will go down on the Model Y. And then the other part of it, and granted, one, two, or all three of these things might be true for any one of you. Number three, reason number three, if you're a shareholder, a Tesla shareholder, you certainly want to see Giga Texas get ramped up as quickly as possible. Now, uh, on that note regarding the Cybertruck, I'm really curious to see how the Cybertruck ramp is going to go. While it's true that the Cybertruck is designed to be simpler and, by extension, cheaper to manufacture than the other Teslas, Elon himself has repeatedly acknowledged that it's an entirely new way of building a car. And as such, that is no doubt going to add to the learning curve once production on the Cybertruck does get underway. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that In actual practice next year, I wouldn't be surprised by anything with regard to the Cybertruck production ramp. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cybertruck ramp is in fact slower, at least in the beginning, than the Giga Texas Model Y ramp. I wouldn't be surprised if it's faster. I wouldn't be surprised if it's roughly the same pace. Nothing will surprise me because this is such a new way of constructing a vehicle. We'll certainly hope for faster, and we'll hope that mid-2023 gets here soon. Uh, One other random thought here, by the way, before I move on to the next story. There have probably been a couple of other exceptions on limited production cars, or specifically limited production variants of cars. Like, I think Lucid's upcoming plaid rival, the Air Sapphire, which just got announced at Monterey Car Week last week, this might be one of them where it's only made in one exterior color in the pla- in the sapphire's case, sapphire blue. But uh I I do think that the list of vehicles in terms of especially mass produced vehicles where it only the car the vehicles only made in one color it's the Model T <laughs> remember the old the famous old saying: "It comes in any color you want, so long as it's black." The DeLorean, where the only choices you had when buying a DeLorean were manual or automatic transmission and black or gray interior, but every single one came from the factory in naked stainless steel. Uh, and and the Cybertruck, with which of course will at least at first only be offered. With a stainless steel exterior, maybe in time, I mean elon has has talked on Twitter about the idea of them coming uh, wrapped from the factory with a with a vinyl wrap uh, of you know either a custom design or a design that Tesla will offer. but yeah, I think it's it's gonna be it's a short list of cars over time. I'm sure those of you out there with with deep knowledge of of the car of car history and of of the uh, the car world can probably come up with a couple of examples of, as I said, like, even if not specific entire lines of cars, like an entire uh, one whole vehicle, regardless of option. But there there have no doubt been, like, special variants, limited production variants of certain models of cars that have only come in, in one color. But Cybertruck's gonna join a short list there, no doubt. Okay, back to the news. In other Gigafactory news, Giga Berlin is reportedly planning to add a third shift coming up in December. I saw this story on Drive Tesla Canada, who writes With production steadily increasing and more employees being hired, Drive Tesla has learned the company is targeting December 2022 to add a third shift. By adding a third shift, the factory will be operating around the clock, 24 hours each day. That should allow Tesla to increase production at the factory up to 5,000 Model Ys per week by early next year, a target shared by Drew Baglino, Tesla's senior VP of powertrain and energy engineering during the recent Q2 earnings call. Giga Berlin is currently producing between 1,200 and 1,500 Model Ys each week. When the factory opened, only performance variants were being produced, and at that, only in black and white colors. But in recent months, the factory has added the long range variant to their production lines. The paint shop has also made progress, having recently completed the first test of the all new Mercury Silver Metallic and Deep Crimson paint colors. Thank you to Drive Tesla Canada for that. And it is just wonderful to hear good news from both new Gigafactories. So the next steps for Berlin are first and foremost, Getting to that 5,000 vehicles produced per week. But there are secondary and tertiary goals here to watch out for as well. One, for Giga Berlin to get their on site 4680 battery manufacturing facility done and thus eventually transition the entire factory over to the 4680 cells and the structural battery pack. And then finally, as Drive Tesla Canada noted, rolling those new paint colors out of the paint shop. Now, I still maintain my belief that these three new paint colors, the aforementioned Mercury Silver Metallic and Deep Crimson Multicoat, along with one that wasn't mentioned there, but we know is coming, and that's Abyss Blue Multicoat, I still maintain my belief that those colors will be replacements for the current colors, Midnight Silver Metallic, red multi-coat, and deep blue metallic, respectively, rather than be added alongside them. Again, as I said earlier in the podcast, I would be thrilled to be wrong about this, and for Tesla to thus offer three additional new paint choices to its current five-color paint lineup. But as I've said before, Tesla's hyper-focus on efficiency and the fact that these colors do pretty well match up with colors that the company already has. So, you know, it's not like one of these new colors is green or orange or purple or yellow. So those things lead me to believe that they will be replacing those three existing colors, at least at Giga Berlin, because it remains to be seen when or even if the three new colors will make it to Fremont, to Texas, and or... To Shanghai uh, back to the production ramp here for a second 5,000 cars per week by early 2023 if they can get there would be roughly 12 months since Berlin came online which not coincidentally is the exact length of time that Elon has talked about for getting a factory ramped up to volume production 12 months one year so here's hoping that Giga Berlin can stay on track for that or perhaps even get ahead of it, get a little Shanghai spirit going on and beat the uh, estimated goal, the estimated time to completion. Next up, another story that makes me happy this week. The Tesla Semi is finally back in the news, just when I was wondering what the heck had been going on with it. Tesla tipster Sawyer Merritt spotted the revamped Tesla Semi page on the Tesla website, which features new photos of the Tesla Semi, a short, very, very short new video, and some new information, the latter of which is what's most interesting. As stated on the new site, which you can go see for yourself at tesla.com slash semi, under badass performance, Tesla says, three independent motors provide instant torque and unmatched power at any speed, so drivers can merge safely and keep pace with traffic, accelerate from zero to 60 miles per hour in 20 seconds, fully loaded and maintain highway level speeds, even up steep grades. So that is interestingly down from the four motors that were originally mentioned. I also wonder if it's still gonna be the same motors, because if you remember way back, the original plan was for the Semi to use Model 3 motors. I mean, that would still make sense, certainly, in terms of not just, use, not just economies of scale, but also using something that's been rigorously battle-tested by the fleet over millions of collective miles. So it, it would certainly make sense that Tesla do use the Model 3 motors as planned, but you never know. Maybe they, in their road testing and and just road-bearing road research over the past couple of years that they've found that they're gonna have to use a bespoke motor or a, a modified Model 3 motor. But I think for the time being, it's still reasonable to presume until we are told or figure out otherwise that it's gonna use Model 3 motors, but now just three of them instead of four. Now, in terms of refueling the Tesla Semi, Tesla says on the new page, "quote With less than two kilowatt hours per mile of energy consumption, Semi can travel up to 500 miles on a single charge, recover up to 70 percent of range in 30 minutes using Tesla's Semi chargers. So I guess we're not calling them mega chargers anymore, which you know honestly does make sense because." It could be confusing to some people who might hear about a mega charger and think that it's just a faster version of a supercharger for their passenger car, for their SX3 or Y. So calling it a semi-charger makes it pretty clear which Tesla vehicle it's for and which of the, which ones it's not for, which is all the rest of them. Uh, Also of note here, from the new Tesla.com slash Semi webpage, Tesla is no longer taking orders for the Tesla Semi, nor are they listing a price anymore either. The prices back in 2017, late 2017, when they first put the page up, when they first announced the Tesla Semi, had been $200,000 for the 300-mile range version, and $250,000 for the 500-mile range version. I presume Tesla is probably going to have to honor those old prices for the numerous corporate clients who placed reservations several years ago at this point. I presume Tesla will fulfill those orders in 2023, and then that's when I would expect Tesla to put the order page back up And I would certainly expect them to put it back up with significantly higher prices. Probably at least $50,000 higher on each of those semi-variants. Maybe even more. Could be even $100,000 higher. That would not surprise me, given what's happened in the automotive industry over the last couple of years. Nevertheless, though, It is great to see Tesla bringing the Semi back out into the light and and to give us an all an update on its final specs too. I love hearing about it. Hopefully the Semi is on track to start delivering to those companies that have had them reserved for, in most cases, years. Uh, And hopefully they'll start getting them early next year. Because remember, Elon said that this year, 2022, was all about scaling up production. And next year, 2023 is all about shipping new products. So here's hoping that the Tesla Semi gets 2023 off to a very good start in that department, very early in 2023. And let's see, well, two more stories for you. First up, Tesla has launched profiles for synchronized settings across multiple vehicles. Thanks to Teslarati for posting about it. Now the release notes for this software update say, Keep your settings and preferences synchronized across all supported vehicles using your Tesla account, including mirror, seating, and steering wheel adjustments, autopilot, driving, and climate control preferences, navigation, media, and data sharing preferences as well. And finally, you can, they note, you can set up your Tesla profile from the driver profile settings and change your profile picture from the Tesla mobile app. So those are from the release notes. You know, what's pretty cool about this to me is that this is a feature that's been talked about for quite some time. In fact, five years exactly to be specific because Tesla Roddy kindly notes that back in August of 2017, Elon tweeted, quote, we are going to move all info and settings to the cloud, AKA server, So any Tesla you drive in the world automatically adjusts to you, end quote. That is a tweet from five years ago. So if nothing else, that gives you an idea of how long some of these ideas linger on the Tesla software team's feature roadmap. I mean, they no doubt get bucketed into different categories, right? And those buckets are probably by priority. You've got super urgent stuff, you've got High priority, lower priority, future wish list—you know, only if you're bored on a weekend—kind of features. <laughs> but uh, this one obviously wasn't super high priority since it it took five years for it to get here. But hey, it's arriving now, and it's really cool. I mean, this will be a useful feature, especially for multi-Tesla households, uh, of which. There are more and more all the time uh, now that the Model Y is taking over the American new car sales charts, uh, s- sales charts, pardon me. And in some of those cases, joining households that already have a three, maybe already have an S, the Y has definitely become a second Tesla in a lot of households. And this feature is also gonna be useful, certainly if you rent a Tesla from Hertz, for example. I mean, it, like it is the future to think about this, right? This is such a this is such an only in the future thing that has now arrived. You think about how awesome would it be to be able to get into your rental car and immediately have all of the settings, the mirrors, the seat, the steering wheel settings, uh, all that stuff, the autopilot settings, the climate, all of it, immediately set to what you want, as if you were driving your own car. I mean, that's pretty cool. You got to say that is that is one of those rare examples of at least rare, obvious examples of the future arriving today. Like that's a cool feature. By the way, if you're curious what to watch out for, if you're thinking, Hey, I really want that feature. It is in version number 2022.24.5. Hopefully you're getting it around the time you're hearing this podcast. Maybe you just got it. If not, it should be pretty imminent. Now, those of you who, like me, are on the full self-driving beta software branch, we will likely get this, just if using history as a guide, it'll probably be another release or two after 10.69.2, which is already, I mean, it's, it's already got everything that it's going to have baked into it. We're on 10.69, and then as I record, we're expecting... out to a slightly larger group of FSD beta testers pretty soon, and then in another week or so, going wide to to everyone in the FSD beta is that 10.69.2 that will then trigger the full self-driving price increase. Finally this week, more good news to end on. See, I started with the big story that happened to be bad news, but it's been fun ever since, and I love closing on this one. The question of the week that seems to be answered in the affirmative is, are factory tours coming back to Fremont? A new job listing suggests that those tours are indeed coming back. Thank you to Tim Hoyer on Twitter for finding this and posting it. The job listing is pretty clear. It's a full-time position in Fremont for a factory tour associate. Now, I've tried tweeting Elon about this topic before. Didn't happen to get a response. You know, sometimes I get a response. Sometimes I don't. Uh, More These days, it's it's less and less, but he's got more and more people tweeting at him these days. But regardless, I am so glad to finally have my answer on this and for that answer to seemingly be a big yes that Fremont factory tours are coming back. Now, when it does, it used to be that any owner, you had to be an owner, Tesla owner, that you got one tour per year. You could sign up for one tour per year. But I, I do acknowledge that was many, at this point, many hundreds of thousands of owners ago. The fleet has grown quite a lot since the last time that Tesla did Fremont factory tours. So I do hope that that same policy remains. Perhaps Tesla will run more tours throughout the day. And hence why they're hiring for it. Uh, Or maybe they won't, and they're just gonna, those tours are gonna book up further in advance. But what I can tell you is that, and I've said this before here and there on the show, I've had the pleasure of taking the Fremont Tour a few times over the years, and it's now been long enough where I really wanna do it again. I wanna see what's doing in there these days. But Every time I've done it, which again, it's like three times, the phrase that I would use to describe the factory tour in Fremont, and again, pardon me for repeating myself because I know I am, but the phrase is awe-inspiring. That is the feeling that I get. That's, that's how I would sum up the Fremont factory tour. And I mean that as humbly and sincerely as possible. No hyperbole, no, nothing. It, it is awe-inspiring in there. It is so incredible to go on the tour and see these giant rolls of aluminum that come in at one end of the factory and then Model S's and X's that are made entirely of aluminum come out at the other end. And of course, parts of the S and X, excuse me, of the 3 and Y are aluminum and other parts are steel. But just seeing the assembly lines and all the parts... It's really, really fantastic. And so not only do I give it a full-throated shout of a recommendation, but I also hope that Giga Texas, Giga Berlin, and Giga Shanghai follow suit sometime soon and start to offer tours as well, because I'm sure they would all be amazing to see as they're functioning day-to-day on the inside. All right, That is everything I've got for you in a busy week of Tesla news. But stick with me. As promised, the Ride the Lightning hotline returns right after this.
1: This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out.
0: Well, after a couple of accidental weeks off from a lot going on on the podcast, the Ride the Lightning Hotline is back. Your time to call in with your questions, comments, or discussion topics. You can give me a call anytime, day or night, in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90 second or less call and actually call in with it and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It is a toll free number that you can dial anytime. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That's one 989 T-S-L-A. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let me kick it off with Tim from Little Rock.
2: Hey, Ryan. This is Tim from Little Rock. It's been a while since I called in. I hope you're doing well. I have a comment and question on last week's episode about the fact that at this point, Tesla model three is $3,000 too expensive to qualify for the new tax incentive next year. So what I'm wondering is if Tesla refuses to change their margins and drop below that threshold, my understanding is that the bill of sale would just need to reflect the bottom line MSRP of the car to be below the threshold to qualify for the tax incentive. So couldn't the purchaser just ask for either their trade-in to be reduced by $3,000 or if they have the cash available even offer just to cut them a check back so Tesla will drop the price by $3,000 but still keep their margin and let the member qualify for the tax rebate because doing that you're still coming out $4,500 ahead, then Tesla not budging on the price and you're having to pay the full price and not get the tax credit. So I'm just wondering your thoughts on that. I'm not a tax expert and I don't know if there's any reason for that uh, or any reason preventing that from happening, but just wondering your thoughts on whether Tesla would be open to um, manipulating a trade-in or even just getting a check back from the individual to get the price on the bill of sale to be below the threshold to qualify for the tax incentive. So anyway, uh, wondering your thoughts on that. And again, good to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Bye.
0: Tim, it's great to hear from you. I'll be honest, I'm not sure if what you're proposing would be doable or not, but one thing I think could work, again, if, like you said, Tesla doesn't want to lower the price of the car is to remove basic autopilot from the long-range Model 3 and simply offer that as a $3,000 option, thus making the base price $54,990, coming in under the limit by $10. Now, maybe Tesla wouldn't want to do that because they want every single car that they make to come equipped with basic autopilot standard, but that, to me seems like the path of least resistance for both Tesla and for customers. I mean, you may remember that the standard range Model 3 from 2019, yes, the $35,000 Model 3 that did exist for a period of time, did not include basic Autopilot standard. You had to pay to add it and then pay more if you wanted enhanced Autopilot or FSD. Thank you so much for your call. And by the way, thank you as well to Brett from Austin who called in with a similar line of thinking. He suggested that perhaps Tesla do another thing that they've done before in order to get under that $55,000 cap for the new tax credit, and that is software lock things like the seat heaters, extra speakers, etc., similar to what the base standard range plus Model 3 did. And Perhaps another little feature or two there would have to be added in order to get down three grand to hit that magic 55K mark. But thanks, Tim. And thank you, Brett from Austin, as well. Next up is Chris, who ordered a Model Y and has a question about the tax credit.
3: Hey, Ryan, a longtime listener and uh, um, electric Owner since 2012 with a Nissan Leaf, but uh, first time Tesla owner. I just ordered my Model Y this week after the tax credit passed. I didn't add FSD because uh, that would send it over the 80K, but um, it says MSRP. So does that mean if the MSRP is less than the 80K, the original, the lowest price, then it applies? And if you option it over 80K, it it then still applies? Or does the final price optioned up over 80K, is that a problem? Um, Let me know. All right, awesome show. Take care, bye. Chris, congratulations on your order and
0: congratulations on being a second time EV owner. Not a lot of people can claim that as of yet. Uh, Good news, you are golden no matter what options you load up onto your Model Y order. The MSRP ceiling for the new tax credit is only looking at the base price of the car, not any options that you might add onto to it. I trust that will come as good news, and I hope you get your Model Y soon, but I guess in this case, not too soon, right? You're looking January 1, 2023. Thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate the call. Here's Jeff from Durham.
4: Hi, Ryan. This is Jeff from Durham, North Carolina. Long-time listener have called in a few times over the years um, model X owner and a founder of series uh, reservation holder on the Roadster but I had an idea for a feature enhancement what do you think about a feature that would allow you to keep the AC on as you get in and out of the car frequently I'm in the real estate business and I'm in and out of the car many times during the day within sometimes a couple blocks of each property or within a mile or so. And I thought it would be nice if there was a setting that you could keep the AC on or even the heat on in the wintertime without having to hit the keep button on. Wanted to get your thoughts on that. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Talk to you soon. Take care.
0: I like the idea, Jeff. We have dog mode. We have camp mode. But how about errand mode? I mean, it certainly would make sense for a lot of use cases such as yours. It could even be set for different increments, right? Like if you want the AC to stay on for five minutes after you get out of the car, for 10 minutes on up to maybe 20 and even 30. Let's put it out there, see if the Tesla software team hears it, and you never know. Next up is Lawton from Chicago with an idea for full self-driving amid the recent, well, imminent price increase.
5: Hi Ryan, it's Lawton from Chicago. Wanted to comment how Tesla could make FSD price increases more gradual, while at the same time potentially earn the company more overall. One of the only things in recent memory going faster than inflation is the cost of FSD. It has increased from $10,000 beginning of the year to $12,000 January 17th, and will soon be up to $15,000 on September 5th. To help slow the pace of price increases, Tesla consider offering separate family and commercial FSD pricing. The family plan could remain at the current $12,000 with more gradual price increases, but it would be limited use by a family of roughly six users with intermittent use by friends. The commercial plan with unlimited use and allow deployment as a rideshare vehicle. Since the commercial plan has the ability to actively generate income, Tesla can more rapidly increase its prices for it. Tesla's Apple computer offers three pricing tiers for its computers and phones to maximize choice and profit, so should Tesla. With enhanced all pot as entry option, upselling a buyer to the fam FSD plan will be easier to sell, with the commercial FSD for their pro customers who truly want it all. Thus, having a more affordable family plan will likely increase the overall rate of adoption and likely mean more overall FSD revenue. Thanks for your ongoing dedication to the Tesla community and keeping the podcast fresh and interactive with new Patreon polls and lightning rounds. Look forward to your thoughts.
0: Lawton, I like your proactive thinking here because clearly something needs to be done, right? Tesla can't just continue to raise the price of FSD at ever-increasing rates and expect the tech r- take rate pardon me, to not go down. Now, as you noted, we went from 10 to 12, and now 12 to 15K. Is $20,000 next? I mean, I don't think it's out of the question at this point. And with regard to your idea... I think you're wise to separate personal and family use from commercial use, given that Elon himself has repeatedly done that very same thing in examples that he's brought up over the past few years, talking about like owning fleets and making money that way. So, yes, I think you're on to something with this, and I hope Tesla will carefully consider adding some further nuance to the FSD pricing, because I will say to Tesla's credit, they have added nuance to it already by adding the monthly subscription option and bringing Enhanced Autopilot back more recently. Lawton, thank you so much as always for your call. Next up is Steve from Arizona.
1: Hi Ryan, Steve Mandela from Arizona. Hey, I wanted to mention something about the 12 volt battery. I got the alert the other day on my car, and um, I wanted to get it swapped out, so I went to the Tesla app, made an appointment, and I was in the middle of picking somebody up at the airport, so anyway, I made the appointment. I thought it was for the next day. I got home, I looked at the appointment, and it was for eight days later, they were coming to my house. And of course, I don't want to wait eight days to swap out the 12-volt battery, because I've heard other people had problems with it if they waited that long. So I went back into the app, I made another appointment to bring my car into a service center and they swapped out the battery, no problems, under warranty, didn't pay anything. But here's my point, the service guy told me if that ever happens in the future, don't even make an appointment, just drive to the nearest service center and they will squeeze you in and swap out that battery right away. So I hope this helps somebody in the future. Brian, thanks for the podcast. I listen to it every week. Keep up the good work. Bye-bye.
0: Steve, I appreciate the kind words. I'm not sure if the policy you're speaking of is a nationwide one, or if it's just this service center telling you that. Hopefully it's a company policy, because I agree that this is how it should be. If the 12-volt battery dies, you are stranded, and Tesla should not want that to happen to its customers. If I have any Tesla service employees listening to this that might be able to clarify this for me, even anonymously, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Please email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Happy to keep you anonymous. I just want to know if Steve's service center was talking out of school there or if this is what any of us can do no matter where we live. Steve, though, I am glad that you got taken care of regardless. And thank you so much for calling in with this one. Our final call this week comes from Jared in Seattle with a feature suggestion.
6: Hello, Ryan and Ride the Lightning community. I hope everyone is well. Ryan, thank you again for all that you do for this community, and I hope you, your family, and Daisy are all well. Um, I'm calling with a uh, feature suggestion for any Tesla employees that are listening. Under navigation, one of the options is to use the HOV lane, and it's a simple toggle, yes or no. Um, but since the car knows when people are sitting in various seats and knows, for example, that uh, I always have car seats in the back because I've set those for where my kiddos have car seats, um, it can use the, the difference of weight between sort of what the average is and when someone is sitting in a car seat or sitting in a seat to know if uh, we've hit more than two or more than three occupants. And it can automatically then apply the using HOV when routing or not per trip, based on who's sitting in the car when you uh, set the navigation. So it's a little bit complex, but it should be doable with the sensors that are already there and the um, options for setting car seats uh, on those rear seats that already exist. So here's a hope that Tesla will one day implement automatic HOV routing versus the manual HOV routing that exists today. Thanks very much.
0: Jared, this is one of those absolute home run suggestions that I get calls about from time to time because you guys out there, you know these cars well. You have such great ideas and this is one of those. This is such a good suggestion that Tesla should implement it immediately. Just a fantastic idea here, Jared. And as you noted, it does seem like, I'm not a programmer, I'm not an engineer. It does seem like all of the hardware is already there for the cars to be able to do this. The Tesla's, should just need to be told what to do to make it happen via a software update. So thank you for this. We will once again this episode speak it into existence for anyone on the Tesla software team that may happen to hear it. Thank you, Jared. Thanks to all of you who kindly took the time to call in. I welcome and invite you, uh, everybody, to call in and be a part of the podcast. If you send in your call, I might feature you on the show. So I gave you the call in instructions earlier, uh, just what 10, 15 minutes ago at the top of this segment, refer back to that and we will do more phone calls next week. But for now, I've got a few stories to tell you in my spirit of adventure segment here coming up right after this short little musical break. It it was a busy week, some fun stuff to talk about right after this. I have a couple of stories to tell you here, and like the main part of the podcast early on, I'm going to start with the bad news, and then I'll go to the fun stuff. So the, the unfortunate story is that on the way down to Pebble Beach last week for the DeLorean Alpha 5 EV reveal, I told you I went down twice, so the second day on both trips, both the way down and the way back, I was on autopilot, you know, doing its, it's doing its thing, and it freaked out on both drives. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Hopefully it has not. And by freak out, I mean out of nowhere, it screams. It starts beeping like crazy. The red wheel with red hands pops up on the screen that says, take over immediately. So I do that. And then once I do that, autopilot will not come back on. I get error messages that say automatic emergency braking has disa- has been disabled so that's a lovely safety issue and the other message that alternates uh, the other error message is cruise control disabled and of course with cruise control disabled autopilot cannot be reactivated uh, and it wouldn't and a, a two scroll wheel reset wouldn't fix it only letting the car go into a deep sleep. Like when I came, when I parked the car and then came back to it later, then it would work, autopilot would work again. But this happened to me twice and both times pretty early on in my trip and it was about a two to three hour trip depending on the traffic. It was three hours down there, about two hours coming back. So I had to do all the driving myself, which sounds like <laughs> the most first world complaint ever, but to be, a, you know, a little a little serious about it. I paid a lot of money for full self-driving and for the car and it's, I should reasonably expect it to work as intended. And instead it completely flipped out on me. And then again, seemingly was safety compromised with automatic emergency braking being disabled in addition to autopilot. Now also just a weird little part of this is the, uh, The on-screen visualization of your car and then, you know, the cars around you, the cars around me wouldn't show up anymore after this freak out happened. So it was just my car and nothing else. Thankfully, the the cameras worked. I could turn on my backup camera, turn on the repeater cameras, but autopilot, dead, not showing any other cars rendered on the screen. And uh, and so I've made a service appointment for this. And we'll see what happens. It's for this week. Weirdly, when I, when I put in, it only gave me mobile service as an option, which normally I would, I would want mobile service. But I feel like in this case, they're, they're going to want me to bring it in. So I'm sure at some point this week, Tesla San Francisco, who is the service center I always use. And they've been good to me so far. I'll say that. I've had a pretty good experience there overall. I'm sure they're going to call in when they read my service request. And then they look at the logs of the car because it, it had error logs. Uh, in fact, I'll give you in case there are any people in Tesla service listening to this. I will give you the error, the error codes for this real quick, just in case you're curious. So the active alert when this was actually happening, automatic emergency braking disabled is APP underscore W009. And then cruise control disabled is DI underscore A. One two four, but anyway, um, not thrilled about it. it. And I and after this had happened on each way, uh, I I thought about it and I and I remembered this has happened before, but not in a while, not in a while. I don't know if the fact that it was a long trip had anything to do with it. I don't know if it was just a fluke coincidence. What the deal? Because it was at different times a day, different roads. I don't know what the the deal was with it, but. My, without knowing anything, if this is the full self-driving computer, the Hardware 3 computer, uh, which, I mean, it seems like that's what flipped out is the computer, and then a reset, you know, after the car went to sleep, came back later, it worked again. Uh, If it turns out that it's the full self-driving computer, I looked it up in my logs. First of all, my car is less than one month out of warranty. It's been like three weeks that, since it went out of warranty. So there's, there's potential kick in the pants, number one, because I don't know what a full self-driving computer costs to replace to out-of-pocket, but I'm guessing it ain't cheap. Uh, j- and just the part, let alone the labor. I mean, I know the labor involves uh, ac- removing the, the glove box on the passenger compartment in the front seat and then installing the card, and I'm not sure if anything else goes into it. I know that's the heart of the job, is, is physically replacing the card. But uh, I cannot imagine what this costs, and I have a bad feeling I'm going to find out. And so there's that. But then the double kick in the pants, the double kick in the groin, is that, as you, some of you may remember, I had a bizarre autopilot issue a little over a year ago. I went back and checked my records 15 months ago. And as you know, as most of you probably know, any work that that you get done by, at least by Tesla, I'm not sure how other companies are, but the work you get done has a one-year warranty attached to that. So, uh, you know, if the full self-driving computer had failed again within a year and the car was out of warranty, it would be under, that specific thing would be under warranty. And so I'm like double screwed here. And so... Uh, we'll see what happens we'll see what Tesla San Francisco finds when they dig into the logs but uh, anyway I, I think I didn't finish you may remember I had a full so- an autopilot computer replaced already because the problem I had before this was again 15 months ago so that it was replaced and so the problem was you know a, a year and plus ago was weirdly after supercharging and getting back on the freeway my car would not just ping pong in the lane. It would swerve out of the lane and be doing like S curves, like it was drunk. And, uh, it eventually ended up going to the engineering team. And that's who ended up ordering the, the hardware, uh, the the full self-driving computer replacement for me, which Tesla San Francisco kindly took care of. So if this is another full self-driving computer I really I implore if there's anyone in Tesla service, anyone at Tesla San Francisco, I implore you to show me some mercy on this because again, I'm just barely out of the warranty window. I mean the 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 dates are what the dates are, right? I can't lie or there's nothing for me that I wouldn't lie, but there's it's more than a year and the car is out of its 12 out of its 4-year warranty, bumper to bumper warranty, but I'm so just barely out of the window on not one but two layers on this that I really hope you got please show me some mercy and do this as a goodwill repair because it's just oh man this this would this would hurt a lot. Not just my wallet, but but it would just be such a shame. It would real it would definitely it would I don't know. I I'm just rambling now, but I, I'm a little I'm a little stressed on this because you know, now that I'm out of warranty, and I've already had a full self-driving computer problem, and I'm, I'm just dreading what this, would, what this would cost if I had to pay out of pocket, so we'll see what happens. All right, let me tell you about something more fun, and that is, this is, this is going to be especially fun for long-time listeners. So if you've been listening since the beginning, you know I've talked about how my amazing wife went really has, has kind of been on a Tesla journey herself. When I started the podcast and, and before I started the podcast, she was just not that she wasn't on board with electric vehicles. She certainly was. But, you know, when I said, uh, it's not just that I want a Tesla, but you know, the model three, the one that'll be more affordable. I want the performance one. Cause I want to have all the fun. And she just, she would tell me like, it's just, you just need four wheels and a, you know, you just need, you need the basic, just get the basic thing. She wasn't really on board with the whole experience, right? Uh, As, as I saw it. And over time, as the podcast has established an audience and Elon started responding to my questions on Twitter back in, you know, 2018, as I was waiting for my car. And then as I got the Elon interview, and got the Franz interview, and she started to look at this and go, well, wait a second, there's, okay, there's, there. she started to buy in more, I guess is the short way to put it, she really started to kind of get more into it, and she's had, as I've said before, a Mini Cooper, 2005 Mini Cooper, she's had it for 18 years, because she got it in 04, 18-year-old car that's finally... It's at the point where it's about ready to be replaced and she's really seriously looking. And, and I mentioned before, we're, we're looking at the Bolt. And certainly the Bolt is appealing, uh, especially since it's, it is going to qualify for the tax credit. So that is a car we're going to take a look at. But she started asking me about the Model 3. And so I set up a Model 3 test drive for her, which we did last weekend after I recorded last week's show. And I have to say, I, and I'll be honest with you. I wasn't, I, I did not have any, uh, expectations that she was going to instantly love it because she's not predisposed to, she's not already an enthusiast about this. Like you are. And like I am, she's a, she, you know, and there's any million things on a car, right? Where she, you know, when she finally gets in the driver's seat because she's never driven my car. Which some of you might be like, wait a minute, that's crazy. How is that possible? And I acknowledge that it's it's all it's all me because I'm so protective of the car. It's not that I won't let her drive it. It's that she doesn't want to drive it because she knows how insane I am and meticulous I am about my car. And so she just she thinks she knows that if anything happened, she would feel terrible. And so it's not that she hasn't been invited to drive my car. It's You know, it's that I drive her crazy with regard to the car. It's, it's, I acknowledge my, I own that. It's not her, it's me. But, uh, so this was her first time driving a Model 3 after spending however many thousands upon thousands of miles as the passenger in a Model 3. And so when someone drives a car for the first time, you know, there couldn't be anything that you might not like. You might not like how the seat feels. You might not like how the car, like if the car feels too big or how the, you know, if the mirror, the visibility doesn't feel right to you, there can be any little thing where you're like, eh, it doesn't, especially my wife is a woman, as I've said, who likes smaller cars. She has a Mini Cooper. She would prefer Tesla make a Mini Cooper like, you know, tiny Tesla, but that's not happening. And so she starts driving it. We go on the test drive and I'm in the passenger seat. So the, the roles are reversed. This has never happened before. And I'm just being as supportive as I can. And I'm telling her about, oh, you know, if you if you just tap the blinker, give it a light press, it does three blinks and then stops. Or if you press it all the way down, of course, it comes all the way on. And just giving her some pointers about the car that that she may not have already observed from watching me, from being in the car when I'm driving. And... I asked her, the first question I asked her, I I wanted to just let her form her own opinion and not try to color her experience. And about halfway through the test drive, I asked her, so does the car feel big to you? Because I knew that would be a big consideration for her. And she said, no, it doesn't feel like a big car. And and that was great. So the, the long and the short of it is, we get done with the test drive and she and she really liked the car. She she wasn't like jumping up and down saying, let's order it right now. Because we're going to, what we're going to do is, number one, we're going to also try to test drive the Bolt. We do want to take a look at that car. I know that car is not going to be a Tesla. I'm not expecting it that. But there's a massive price discrepancy. And so it's worth taking a look at the car. Although, obviously, I'm not only biased as a Tesla fanboy but I will also say like in all seriousness I in my head I really want her to choose the standard Model 3 because honestly it's one thing I've seen enough accident videos from Teslas on the internet cuz it pops up on Reddit and what have you where people the every, people just walk away in Teslas and the other cars are just these mangled things in an accident and and it's the fact that the Model 3 is objectively, I've said this before, the safest car that the United States or and European government have ever tested, ever. I want my wife, when she's going to be driving a car, to be in the safest car in the world. And I want my daughter, if she's going to be in the car with my wife, to be in the safest car in the world. So I am really hoping she'll choose the Model 3, but we are going to, Take a look at the bolt. We'll, you know, we'll we'll give it a fair shake, and then uh, we want to see. We're gonna wait till basically the the start of the new year in early 2023 because two, there are two reasons. One, I want to see if Tesla does anything to make the standard the base Model Three qualify for even half of the new tax credit. We know, as I talked about a couple shows ago. It's the battery pack that prevents the base Model 3 from from qualifying for the new tax credit. So I want to see if Tesla makes any changes in order to make it qualify. And then number two, the definitely secondary reason to that is the 2023 models, if history holds, will start getting built at Fremont in November of this year. And if there are any little changes and maybe little upgrades to the battery. I mean, we know that Tesla makes improvements and changes every week throughout the year. They don't wait for a proper model year, but it's also true that there are changes sometimes on the actual model year. For instance, the switch over to the LFP battery a couple years ago when the Model 3s Went changed from the chrome trim and door handles to the satin black to match the Model Y. Uh, We've seen range increases, battery changes, things like that on the on those model year turnovers. So um, that's that's what we're gonna wait for. We're gonna wait. We're gonna see what where we're at where we're at in January, and then make a decision on uh, on there. She's definitely gonna buy an electric. There's there's zero question about that. It's just a question of whether it's going to be a Model 3 or perhaps the Chevy Bolt. But that was fun. Now, what made it even more fun for me was we get were when we were done with the test drive, we're in the parking lot. There was a plaid in there uh, like a, it, it had a like stick on. It was clearly it was a Tesla car, whether it was an undelivered customer car or whatever. It was just sitting there in the parking lot. And I told her, well, let me let me show you the plaid. And just just peeking in through we don't would never touch the car just peeking in through the window, just saying oh yeah see you can see the yoke and it's got the it's got the screen uh, behind the instrument it's got the instrument cluster screen that the model three and the model Y don't have and I was just showing her the plaid, and uh, then these these two women pull up they park their car and they're like looking at cars in the parking lot and saying oh this one okay this one's got a white interior and they're they're like, I heard, I think I heard one of them say, like, oh, let's see if we can check one out. And I knew, because I had booked this test drive like a week in advance. I knew they probably weren't gonna be able to get a test drive. So I just I I were standing there in the parking lot, and I said to these ladies, Would you like to see one? I I I'm I have a Model 3. Would you like to check the inside out? And they're they were enthusiastic, they were over the moon. They're like, Yes, thank you. Uh and her name was Jill and her sister Trish and they were the nicest ladies and as it had had worked out my wife and I had driven to this test drive separately because she was going to go have lunch with her sister-in-law so she had a she had a separate plan for after the test drive and so I said you know knowing that I said to my you know do you do you want to take a test drive? Do you want to take a test ride? Because I knew my wife, I wasn't going to be inconveniencing her by uh, by 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 showing the Model Three to these to these ladies. And so uh, you know, so she went off to her lunch, and I was just I was walking around answering all their questions, and then took them out on a short little test ride, of course with a couple of launches in the performance Model Three. And this, uh, the, the, really the woman that was shopping, it was Jill. Uh, it was, and Trish was kind of along for the ride. Jill was, was the one actually looking to buy a car. She is in a, she has a, uh, 370 Nissan Z now, which I was telling her, oh, that's funny. Cause I, I went, I came from a Infiniti G35 coupe, which is like the cousin car of the 370 Z. So, you know, it had immediately kind of hit it off there and and I could relate to where she was coming from in terms of the kind of car she was coming out of she was wanting a little bit of performance but not necessarily the performance model and I just I had a blast I had a blast showing like giving a demo of my car and I I was telling Jill and Trish and and I've said it on the podcast before uh for better and for worse I live here in the Tesla bubble in the San Francisco Bay area. And I've never gotten to do that before. I've never gotten to show anybody the car because everybody here already knows about Teslas. And in fact, Jill even said, Oh, we came up from San Luis Obispo. I forget why, but they, I, they wanted to you know check out Tesla while they were up here. And so it was just, it was so much fun to get to show off the car and answer questions and, and I'll tell you this, I think I I think I think sold a car for Tesla that day. Um, I, I answered a million questions, and it, it seemed like she was pretty set on the long-range Model 3. And I told her about she could get the acceleration boost if she wanted. And then, see, this is where I'm a bad salesman. Of course, I'm not. <laughs> it's fine because I'm not a Tesla employee. But then uh, I pulled it up because I think she was asking some pricing question. And that's when I remembered, or I had forgotten, whoops, you can't order the long range model three right now. You know it's you literally cannot order it. So um, I don't know if if Jill's gonna go with a performance model three or if she's gonna just wait it out until next year. But it was really, really fun to to answer a bunch of questions about the car and then take them out for a for a test ride and and show off the the roller coaster like acceleration. Which, you know, I'm used to it, even though it's still fun as heck, don't get me wrong. But I'm still, you know, a new person that hasn't experienced it. It's so much fun to be there as new people experience it for the first time. So, uh, had a great, great time with the test drive, both with, let it, with, you know, being part of the experience of my wife, having a good time, test driving a Model 3, and then, uh meeting two random people in the parking lot and 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 answering all their questions about the Model 3. All right, uh, that's enough babbling from me. Wow, that was another 22 minutes. I guess this is gonna be a long episode. See, this is why I put the... This is why the Spirit of Adventure portion of the podcast is at the end. It's so that if you're annoyed by me right now and you're bored with this story, you can press stop and you really haven't missed much. You know, you've gotten the core content of the show. It is, it is all structured this way for a reason. Anyway, here's your pro tip of the week from Jonathan in Atlanta, responding to Cody's life hack that I played one or two shows back about uh, resuming USB, resuming playback off of USB devices. So here's Jonathan adding on to Cody's pro tip.
3: Hey Ryan, as always, Spectacular job on the podcast. Just phenomenal. Um, You always do a good job. But I was listening to Cody. I don't remember where he's from. But um, he was talking about his hack that he does when, or the pro tip that he does for resuming his songs right where he left off on his USB. I kind of have the same pro tip, only it's between when you switch between podcasts and music. So let me explain myself. So when I pick my daughters, I listen to podcasts all day long. Um, I, obviously yours, but I do cheat on you with others. Anyway, um, so uh, I'm listening to a podcast, and I go to pick up my girls from school. Well, obviously, not only do they probably not want to listen to the podcast that I listen to, um, but they certainly don't want to listen to it halfway through. On, so they just wanted me to switch to music. So it used to be I'd switch, switch over to music, and then to re-listen to my podcast. Um, you know, I would click on TuneIn, I click on the the episode and it would start me back at the very beginning it was really annoying especially since Tesla took away that feature where they were they would show the progress in time um, and now you have to uh, hit 15 seconds forward to find out exactly where we are so I had to uh, remember the time that I left off and then fast forward well come to find out a couple weeks ago um, I go to switch back and I hit that accidentally hit the three horizontal bar in that where the, the media player is the three horizontal bar that pulls up what you last listened to or like what you most frequently listen to and sure enough if you tap on the podcast if you're playing music and you tap on the podcast that you left off it'll start you exactly where you left off um so just another pro tip and uh this is jonathan from atlanta
0: hey jonathan well you are allowed to listen to other podcasts it's okay there are plenty of good ones out there on a lot of different hobbies and interests. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for adding on to Cody's life hack there. This is more great info to know. My hope is that Tesla will render both of your pro tips moot at some point by streamlining the interface for listening off of USB devices or Bluetooth. But for now, your suggestion is very much appreciated. Thank you, Jonathan. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, please send it in. You can send those in the same way that you send in regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. I love to include a pro tip of the week at the end of every episode. All right, before I get out of here, let me mention some friends of the podcast that can perhaps be of service to you. AbstractOcean.com, makers of many fine aftermarket Tesla accessories, I am partial to their lighting kits, their interior lighting kits. If you've got a Model Y, I definitely recommend that rear footwell lighting kit. If you've got a 3 or a Y, their fourth generation tempered glass screen protector is excellent and it ships with the installation frame. So it's very easy to get on there correctly. So do check those out along with their like just hundreds of other, all right, maybe at least dozens, for sure dozens of other Tesla accessories abstractocean.com use the coupon code RTLPodcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order that coupon code again RTL podcast all one word the snap plate get yours at everyamp.com RTL the snap plate is available for all four cars model 3 model y model x and model s as well yes including the new model s and model x It's the front license plate bracket that is for people like me that would prefer not to have to have a front license plate bracket. But if you got to do it, everyamp.com slash RTL, that's the way to go because it is a clean, minimalist design that can snap on and off in seconds. But when it's on, it's on there securely. And when it's off, it leaves nothing behind. It's like it was never there. So again, get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Budget Safe Solar. We had our site inspection, which took quite a bit longer than I was expecting. The gentleman took quite a while inspecting our electrical panel. Uh, it was up on the roof for a bit as well, and I am waiting for that report. So I don't know what the site inspection yielded just yet. Hopefully, I will have an update on that for you for next week's podcast. But in the meantime, if you are interested in solar, Budget Safe Solar wants you to con- contact them today if you have the slightest interest in installing solar on your home or business property. Why today? Because tomorrow your neighborhood may have reached its circuit capacity and not be able to handle another customer supplying the aged infrastructure until repairs are completed, perhaps decades from now. Don't get shut out because you thought that unattractive roof had another year left in it, visit them today at budgetsafesolar.com and use the referral code RTL if you do proceed with a solar installation. Immaculate Reflections, irdetailing.com, that is the website to go to. Jeff is the owner and proprietor there. He does incredible work. My car is a rolling testament to his the attention to detail really is just the best way to put it and craftsmanship and care and enthusiasm for his work uh i am i look at my car and it still looks at least as good as new if not actually better than new and i know that sounds like hyperbole but if you see my car judge for yourself if you ever get to see it in person you'll see what jeff is capable of so if you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. If you want to do paint correction, if you want to do paint protection film on some or all of it, whatever you want to do, if you're going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with your car, bring it to Immaculate Reflections, and I promise you will leave happy. There is a discount waiting for you just by virtue of being a Ride the Lightning listener. So when you reach out to book, in a job, book work, through irdetailing.com. Just mention in your note that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and that you would please like the Ride the Lightning discount and Jeff will kindly give it to you. Next up, puretesla.com slash RTL. Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit. It is a micro SD based solution that is gonna work and work and work because micro SD is designed for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode do, which USB flash memory, not so much designed for that constant reading and writing. So I highly recommend pureteslacom slash RTL. Again, 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit. Ships free anywhere in the US, comes fully formatted out of the package and go there and grab one. Uh, How about Jada? Jada has a number of wonderful Tesla accessories, all centered around the center console of your vehicle. I have their uh, wireless charging pad in my Model 3 that is too old to have it built in from the factory. But if you do have a newer Model 3 or Model Y, you might wanna check out the Jada USB hub console. It's a storage organizer, USB hub, Apple Watch charger and AirPod charger all in one. Check it out at getjada.com/ref/8 and Jada is spelled J E D A and use the coupon code RTL for a nice discount. Finally, the Patreon I touched on it at the top, but the Patreon is the primary way through which you can voluntarily choose to support my efforts. Here on Ride the Lightning, I put a lot of time, energy, love, research, and enthusiasm into the podcast each and every week, which I hope comes through. And so at some point, maybe it's today, maybe this is the time you're hearing this and you know what, and you think, you know what, yes, Ryan, now is the time. I've been listening for a while. I really enjoy the podcast. I'm going to support you on Patreon. Those support tiers start at just five bucks a month, or if you don't want to do monthly, you can do an annual pledge, which if you do that, you get a 5% discount on whatever pledge you make. But you can do whatever pledge at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n, patreon.com slash Podcast, And there are numerous levels, numerous uh, tiers of support. The higher you go, the more and more perks and bonuses that you get. It's that $10 tier, the ludicrous tier, as I've named all the tiers after Tesla performance modes. The ludicrous tier is the one where you get the weekly bonus mini episode, that lightning round episode every week that I mentioned at the top, along with early access to the regular episode, this episode, every week as well. If you're not already subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast service, you can do that completely free of charge. Subscribing just means you go on to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and you just find the podcast and you click subscribe or follow or whatever the terminology each podcast service uses so that anytime there's a new episode, which is the same time every week. 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific every Sunday, it will automatically push that new episode out to you rather than you having to remember, oh yeah, it's Sunday, I gotta go get the new new episode of Ride the Lightning. So do that on your favorite podcast and save yourself having to remember to go get it. Finally, uh, you can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, same handle on both, dmc underscore ryan if you care to follow me on either of those my podcast email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com and with that let me say a hello and thank you to the highest level tiers of the patreon the highest level backers i'll start with the grandfathered in plaid supporters thank you so much to george cassiopo david brander Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dorian Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, The Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Ish, Not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. A big thank you as well to the Maximum Plaid backers who are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lasa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Steadman, Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Dronberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, uh, pardon me, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Matt Asbury, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, Halobengals.com, Chris Pratt, and Ken Epstein. Finally, an extra big thank you to the Roadster in Space tier backers who get a one-on-one hangout with me every month if they elect to take it, in addition to all of the other perks. In fact, I will be chatting tomorrow as I record this with Howard Anthony Smith. Looking forward to catching up with him. Uh, And so a thank you goes out to Howard, as well as Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Victoria Ayacavetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Kara Weston. Well, this has been another long episode. There has been a ton going on. I guess I was talking a lot about myself and my own stories on this week's podcast there at the end, but eh, hopefully you find it entertaining. I guess if you made it this far, you stuck through it. You stuck through my stories. Some weeks I have cool stories. Some weeks I don't. This week it was fun. But uh, with that, I will say happy electric motoring. Thank you so much for listening. I will catch you, as always, on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific every week with a new episode of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast.